North Pole Hotline, Mrs. Claus here. My holiday shopping list is so big, I can't wait for Black Friday. Get to Old Navy's biggest sale of the year starting tomorrow. Old Navy? Beat the crowds for 50% off your entire purchase. 50% off? Plus, this Friday only, Old Navy's famous cozy socks are just a buck in stores. Old Navy's giving $1 for every pair sold up to a million dollars to boys and girls clubs. So I can do good, look good, and get 50% off your entire purchase at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1121 to 1123. Exclusions apply. See store for details. Cozy socks valid 1123 in stores only. Limit 10. Blog Talk Radio. What's up? It's that time again. You're tuning in to another episode of Dr. Low Radio. I am Dr. Lauren Noel. I'm your host for the evening, and I like this topic. This is something real juicy. We've been talking about fertility a bit more on the show lately, and we're going to be doing a few episodes on this topic. I think it's something that is really important for uh, you know people to be aware that there's lots of holistic options on how to boost your fertility, and you know I think this is a topic that can be really scary for couples. It can be something that is especially, you know, once you're pregnant, it can be so scary. All these things I hear about this. And so I really love bringing in experts that are, you know, experts in this topic who can give a bit more empowering information. So you can use that and, you know, really have a lot more options when it comes to fertility and how to maximize your chances of of, uh, conceiving when you want to, when you want that to happen. So we have an awesome expert on the show tonight. So I'll announce him in just a second. But as I've been mentioning on previous shows, we have a really exciting um, event coming up. We're going to be doing a Shine Retreat. It's going to be down in a tropical area, most likely in Nicaragua, and we are um, starting to take some names of people interested in wanting to go to that. So if you're interested in doing the Shine Retreat, it's going to be in the, it's actually moved to the first week of July, and uh, we're hoping to have more specific details on that really soon, but go ahead over to shinenaturalmedicine.com and sign up for email updates. You can shoot us a message and let us know you're interested in the Shine Retreat, and we're starting to keep a list of people interested. So I think it's going to be awesome, and I have a feeling we're going to be doing this on a regular basis because who doesn't need some TLC uh, on a regular? So I know I do. Uh, On to tonight's show. Mark Sklar is in the building, technically on the airwaves, and he is an expert in this area. For more than 15 years, Mark Sklar, fertility expert, has been helping couples struggling to conceive and have healthy babies. In addition to his Master's of Science, Mark trained at the Harvard Medical School, Mind Body Medical Institute. He's the creator of MarkSklar.com, that's M-A-R-C. S-K-L-A-R.com, as well as ReproductiveWellness.com, and he is the co-author of Secret to Conception. Mark lives in San Diego, so he's my neighbor, with his wife and two sons. And if you're wanting to conceive, get knocked up, Mark's the man for you. Mark, welcome to the show. Welcome to Dr. Low Radio. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. I've been... Uh, familiar with your work and some of your YouTube videos, and I'm sure a lot of your patience and uh, requests to be on different shows come from that. Uh, you've really put together some awesome content, and I think that you know there's just so many things you hear about when it comes to fertility. There's so many random videos that say random things, and you have you know really well researched and thought out content. So I really like what you do. So thanks for putting out such great information for people. Yeah, thanks so much. I I appreciate it. Um, you know, I, I think it's important that everyone gets some good quality information and uh, useful information, practical that they can use on a daily basis. So that's why I do that. Yeah, for sure. And you know, it's just, it's just like you know, it doesn't need to be so complicated. You know, and like I feel like you really simplify things. So that's really cool. But why are you even into this topic in the first place? I'm sure there's probably a lot of 
directions you could have gone. So why fertility? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure for for all of us as we uh, get into the uh, healthcare field, um, you know, it just it just happened. Um, I started working in the field um, by purely by chance. I, I didn't know what uh, what I wanted to do when I got into this medicine, and all the patients I started to see were really around women's health, um, menstrual related disorders, and then my you know my first fertility patient really kind of set the stage for where my my path would go beyond. Um, and then simultaneously, uh, my older brother reached out to me, him and his wife reached out to me while I was just finishing up school um, as they were having some issues of their own and asked me for some guidance, some support, and some questions kind of similar to what I do now when I work with patients virtually. And, um, and, that, and I was able to help both of them conceive their children. And my older brother now has uh, two sets of twins. Um, and my first patient, I helped her with her three children. And so that really, if there's anything that's going to push you into a certain field, <laughs> that, that's going to do it um, from the onset. So that's really what did it for me. Well, it must be cool once you meet these kids to think, wow, I had a part in that. Not a direct role necessarily, but an indirect role, and I was a big catalyst in this even happening. Yeah, I love it. Uh, I love getting all the pictures in the mail, and then even <laughs> even better, as you know, you know, when someone comes in uh, after they you haven't seen them for a while and they're doing great, and you know, in my case, they bring in their kids for me to meet, and now they're, you know, ten, twelve, fifteen. Actually, the the first woman who I ever who I helped um I've been following her kids on Facebook and mm. she just started she just started driving I was like oh my lord so, so weird <laughs> yeah it's really weird but it's rewarding it's nice to see so it's great yeah for sure and I'm sure they I'm sure some of them barely you know maybe don't even remember you because they were so young when you were you know more involved in their probably in their oh, care the kids? but yeah they have no yeah. clue who I am <laughs> <laughs> it's like when you meet your friends your parents friends are like I remember when you were this big you're like whatever creepy but now once you get to be an adult you know I find myself doing that to my friends kids and I'm now that person so (laughs) yeah the exact same thing right yeah Yeah, totally (laughs) well I do a decent amount of fertility in my practice too and one of the things that just blows me away is some of the stories that patients say of their experience going to certain fertility centers and I'm not going to like poo-poo on places like that because a lot of them are amazing and very comprehensive and you know pretty legit but there's other places just like oh my gosh I can't believe they didn't run this lab and that lab and look into things so I'm I'm sure you really take a, a, a lot more of a holistic kind of approach with your patients. So what are what are some of the areas that you feel like these fertility places might be missing, you know, and things that you focus on in your practice when you're doing a whole fertility workup? Yeah, that's a great question. Actually, uh, um, we've shared, you know, probably a handful of patients over the years um, as well. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, you know, there's a place for the fertility clinics, I think. You know, the, there's certainly a place for it if a, if a woman's got blocked fallopian tubes. There's only so much <clears throat> that that we might be able to do. Um, and so there's a time and a place, but their, their complete focus is all about how can we get you pregnant as quickly as possible and basically mm. manage our success rates at the same time. Um, and so, you know, with that being said, I think that, probably upwards of 70% of the patients who who end up going through IVF probably don't need it, right? Mm. Yeah. So so I um and and I agree with you completely. I think oftentimes they're just missing the boat on running lab work. Um they're so focused on, you know, the the 
two or three numbers or, or labs that they that they really need to get their information and and do their protocols that they tend to ignore other things like common one as I'm sure you've seen is um, thyroid disorders. You know, they might mm-hmm. just run TSH and pretty much neglect everything else. So I, I think right. that's pretty commonplace to see um, in terms of a place of neglect. I, I think that's that's definitely high up there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in uh, recently, what I've noticed is that because of their their uh, reliance on the AMH value, anti-malarian hormone value, they put so much weight in it now, and they've pretty much foregone running other labs um, like that they used to really value, like FSH and LH and estradiol, that they're, they're, they're just running AMH and mm-hmm. neglecting all the others as well. And so you just don't get a clear picture. Um, yeah, it's just wild, right? That's like it's like a no-brainer yeah. when you take a full yeah. picture view. But it's like, wow, that's yeah. And in in most of the time, if there's a thyroid condition, it's Hashimoto's. So it's important to see right. is this an autoimmune condition? Is there an autoimmune link with difficulty conceiving? Because it can be absolutely connected. If you make antibodies to your thyroid, you might make antibodies to your ovaries. You know, and there's yep. there's lots the of ones. systems that that are involved with conceiving. So I know that you talk about patients being able to supercharge their fertility. And here's here's the reality is you can't see every patient in your practice. You want to be able to give them information for people far away who can use this at home. So, And obviously not everyone can see a doctor. So you talk about, um, you know, people being able to supercharge their fertility in six weeks, which sounds a little like, yeah, right, can I really do that? But really how can people in that amount of time, you know, bring their body into more of a balance that it would make conceiving more of a likelihood? Yeah, you know, six weeks. You know, I don't. I don't like to say that everyone's going to be pregnant at the end of six weeks because, sure. <laughs> by no means, is that really like feasible or potentially feasible for the majority of of couples. But the six weeks I find is really just it's it allows them to set the foundation. So, with each week being able to grow, improve, um, and set the the really the the foundational work, just like you would any house, right, or building, um, that groundwork that's going to get you the steps you need to do. And if we work with each week, building upon it, adding the things and just picking and choosing the things that we're going to do, then with that, that's what I really mean by supercharging. So really getting educating yourself in those six weeks, getting well-informed, starting to incorporate some new therapies, techniques, um, dietary changes, um, potentially some supplementation, and, um, and certainly not last, but um, and and I really value this one is really focusing also on the mind body connection during that during that time frame, and these are just setting the, those little those little seeds and the foundation to really grow um, and expand and work on your fertility, work on your overall health, um, so that you can really move forward and reach the goals that you want to reach as you move forward as as you continue to evolve through the conception process and the, you know, trying, if you will, uh, phase mm-hmm. of things. Yeah. 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 And you focus on more than just, okay, let's just get you, boom, let's get you ovulating. There's more body systems that come into all this. So you talk about there's six different areas that you address with your fertility patients. What are what are those different areas? Yeah. So, you know, as I'm sure it is with you, one of the things that I try to stress with my patients, it's really important. It's not for everyone because we all have our different timing and, and the direction we want to go, but it's really important for me to find out why they're having the issues that they're having, right? Mm-hmm. And so 
when we're doing that, the first thing we need to look at is what does a what should a healthy menstrual cycle look like, and then what does yours look like, and then where where what do we need to improve, right? So once we know what a healthy menstrual cycle looks like and what any given individual's patient's cycle looks like, then we've got some markers to monitor and track. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes it's hard because patients say, well, so what am I going to notice this week? It's not always that fast. So we want to look at, um, we're looking for markers both in ovulation, um, cervical mucus, and then menstrual um, signs and symptoms, and we're looking for those markers to change. And then additionally, um, foundationally, we need to get a baseline on lab work like we started this conversation, right? So we need to know where they are now um, in a full range of not only hormones, but in every system, um, and then be able to find those imbalances, make corrections, and then grow from there. So that's really where I start with all my patients, doing a full evaluation and um, absolutely looking at lab work. And then if they've had lab work, we can, we can incorporate that. But in most patients who've had them, they're incomplete or they've been done quite a bit of, you know, years or six months ago or whatnot. So they're not accurate for where they are right now. Um, and then we grow upon that. We start to incorporate some different therapies, whether it's acupressure, moxibustion, castrol packs. Um, I love vaginal steam baths for patients, abdominal massage. So things that can empower patients to make changes at home, right? So they're not always having to rely on others. And that's a big part of this because as couples get into the fertility process, they tend to feel like they lose control, that they're giving up all the decisions up to whichever medical provider they're going to. Um, and so this allows, to put, allows them to put some of those things back into place. Um, obviously, uh, we always have to deal with nutrition, as you do in your work. Um, we have to do that with everything. Nutrition is the foundation for all health, and fertility is definitely not excluded from that. So uh, we spend quite a bit of time going over um, nutrition, and sometimes patients are surprised to find out that um, we maybe are looking at their digestive system and not their hormones, because their issue might not be in their hormones. It might be in the digestive system or whatever other system it might be, their adrenals and whatnot. Um, certainly the mind-body connection, as, as I mentioned earlier, is key to all of this, is managing their stress. If, uh, if you didn't have, if you weren't a stressful type of person, an anxious type of person before you got into the fertility world um, of trying, then certainly the whole process of trying and timing your ovulation and timing intercourse will definitely add or um, start that stressful process, unfortunately. And so I think it's a really key piece that needs to be addressed with all patients and all couples, whether they tend to be stressful individuals or not, that's a piece that needs to go in. And for everyone, managing that might be different, you know. So for me, I like to go on hikes, um, but for others, they might, you know, just need to go on a a little walk or, or sit and do meditation or do some yoga. So it really, I think that piece in terms of how they manage stress is going to be different from person to person. Yeah. Um, yeah. So those are some of the foundational things. I obviously go over supplements, but that's tailored towards each individual condition, right? Based mm-hmm. on what, what the specific issue it is, is that we're treating, then that's where we start to um, kind of delineate the supplement protocols and, and what they should or shouldn't be taking. And, and that's a hard one because I'm sure 
as you're familiar, patients just start reading everything online and right. everything sounds great because it's going to improve. It sounds like it's going to change everything for them and get them pregnant. So they start wanting to take everything under the sun. So right. that's a challenging one. <laughs> yeah, totally. And then the interactions with everything. And well, out of everything you just said, there's so many juicy questions that could come out of that. But first thing is, for people who aren't familiar with this, what the heck is a vaginal steam bath? <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to ask that question. So um, it's it, it's where, it, you know, the, the best way to describe it, um, and we do have some videos on our YouTube channel about it, on it, is... Um, it basically like a facial for your uterus. So <laughs> <laughs> sounds funny, Amazing. right? So good. Yeah. So and it and it's been done traditionally in many traditional cultures for for centuries. Um, but you have uh, specific herbs that are used to cleanse the uterus, and so they disrobe from the waist down. Uh, they basically sit on an, an open chair, and the herbs um, are in a you know. A, a tea, if essentially, like a hot, yeah. a hot water bath, and they're just steaming the herbs up into uh, the vaginal area, into the vaginal canal, and into the uterus. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, you don't do it while you're ovulating or while you're menstruating, um, but you do it uh, in between those two, actually. And um, patients actually will say that they notice tons of uh, discharge, their menstruation starts to change, and they start to feel different. So that's a really important one. Mm-hmm. potentially if there's um, some implantation issues or they know they have blockages in the uterus like endometriosis or fibroids, cysts, things right. like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so to clarify, the woman is not sitting in the water. She's sitting over the water. No, and the steam she's sitting over the water. Yeah. Into, got it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and I, you know, as a as a naturopathic doctor, you know, we we, we study a lot on, on hydrotherapy and these things. So, uh, so I'm familiar with this and it's, I think it could be really, and it's kind of a lost, Art, you know, you don't really hear about the vaginal steam bath, but I learned about it a lot in school, and I and I've heard anecdotally it can be really effective. So, and also it can be used for actual vaginal infections, right? Yeah, yeah, that you change the herbs for that, mm-hmm. right? Um, but yeah. it absolutely can be used. For that it was pretty commonplace postpartum for postpartum mm-hmm. healing. It was pretty commonplace. It's so awesome. Yeah. So you talked about ovulation and, you know, cervical mucus and things like that. So for for women listening who maybe aren't really sure if they're ovulating, what are what would be ways that they may be able to check in on that on themselves? So, uh, I mean, the, the key thing, if you are, hopefully you're, they're having a regular cycle, uh, somewhere between 28 and 30 days. Um, and mo- if they are, then most women are ovulating um, in the middle of, of that cycle, so around day 13, 14, 15. Um, and some signs that they should notice leading up to that um, and, and on that day of ovulation is that they've noticed an increased vaginal moisture, increased cervical mucus, where the, um, the discharge would look more like egg white mucus, um, mm-hmm. clear, sticky, stretchy. Um, you know, if you can picture raw egg whites, you can picture what you should be looking for. Um, mm-hmm. And then they should also notice an increase in libido. It's the body's natural uh, sign to say, hey, we want to have sex and we want to reproduce now. So <laughs> we're going to make you want to have sex now. Um, mm-hmm. And so those are, the, those are the two main signs. They might also notice some little twinges or cramping um, over the ovaries. Um, but those are the main symptoms for, for ovulation. Now, some women will say, well, I don't know if I'm ovulating because I don't have those symptoms or I don't notice them dramatically. Mm-hmm. My key sign for them is, well, sometimes they'll notice that the vaginal moisture will drip out of the vagina, and sometimes they won't. Um, so sometimes they do have to check to see if that's actually there. Um, mm-hmm. But 
all in all, as long as they can have um, regular intercourse without lubricant, then that's certainly a sign in the right direction. It might not be perfect cervical mucus, but at least that's a sign that things are working somewhat, you know, appropriately. Mm-hmm. Amazing. I love yeah. I love the at-home clues where you can tune into your body and get an idea of what's going on. Do you have any favorite at-home ovulation kits or anything like that? Um, I'm not the biggest fan of ovulation kits. Um, yeah. Especially for the patient population that I tend to work with, when mm-hmm. hormones are a little bit off, I find that either they're not um, the the LH isn't surging on the ovulation kits, um, or it's surging for extended periods of time, which makes everybody confused. Um, so um, I'm not the biggest fan of them, but I do prefer if we're going to do anything to do basal body temperature charting. Um, the trick there is that it it can be a little bit stressful, so we have mm-hmm. to manage that as well. But that is my preferred method of, of tracking menstrual cycles and ovulation. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very helpful. So what about, let's say in a situation where there's a woman who is having longer cycles, so they're not having regular periods, what could be going on underneath that? Why would maybe she have, you know, uh, 40 days, 50, 60 days between her periods, um, you know, what, what could be some underlying things that you see with that? And then, and what are some ideas for how to make it a bit more regular? So I'd say the most common one is polycystic ovarian syndrome, PCOS. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's the most common reason that we'd see the irregularity in ovulation and menstrual cycles. The next one might be um, thyroid disorders. Um, and so just depending on, I'll say by far, I see PCOS way more contributing to that, but I often see thyroid um, irregularities and PCOS together. So, you know, I don't, I don't want to um, discount that. But uh, some keys, you know, especially with, with PCOS, we have to get our diet and our exercise under control, our lifestyle. Um, and I'd also throw in uh, with that um, our stress, because I find that some of my patients with, uh, a good portion of my patients with PCOS, we get everything under control, and then when stress kind of creeps in, their cycles go a little bit haywire. So, mm-hmm. you know, regulating a patient's adrenal function, um, regulating diet and exercise are going to be the key things for women who have um, PCOS or irregular menstrual cycles. And, you know, some of the basics with that would be just make sure you're not over-exercising or under-exercising. And for some reason, the common question I've been getting this past week has been, you know, I've slowed down on all my exercise and my cycle is still irregular, but I'm still lifting weights six or seven days a week. Right. Um, see that so, all the time. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and I see it often, but for some reason this week it spiked its head. So, um, you know, the... the uh, the exercise reducing things, we got to reduce the stress physically on the body and weightlifting can definitely be a big stressor for mm. those women who have been over-exercising. So it can't just be pulling back on um, the cardio, but it has to be pulling back on, on the weightlifting and the aggressive nature of the, of the exercise or the workout. So really pulling back on that. Um, but you still need to exercise, so doing things that are going to be more stress-reducing re- and relaxing, whether it's yoga, long walks, or hikes, you know, as long as it's moderate, I think that's okay. And then, um, you know, it's certainly cleaning up your diet, getting rid of the junk, um, eating clean, fresh, whole foods, cooking as much as you can, um, knowing where your, your food quality comes from, the the meats and the produce, so that you can control the amount of hormones um, in there and hopefully minimize that and Mm -hmm. and the the pesticides. So those are some real 
key things and I find unfortunately they might sound simple and, and basic, but I find unfortunately so many patients are ignoring those two factors. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously um, controlling the stress. Um, and for everybody, I think that's going to be different. So doing the things that you can do to control your stress that are bring happiness and joy versus uh, things you don't like doing. Like I'm not the biggest fan of yoga. Um, so for me to go do yoga would probably add more stress than to do the, <laughs> than the benefit of doing it, right? So, um, you know, if you don't like to do whatever activity it is, don't could just do it because whether I said it or something you read online said this is going to be great for you because if it's just going to make you frustrated and, and upset because you did it, right, because you didn't enjoy it, mm-hmm. then you know, let's find something else. Um, there's plenty of things out there that we can do to help manage our stress that we could probably do that we like to do. Um, so I think it's important to stay away from the things that we don't like to do as well. Yeah, totally. What would be some maybe some clues that someone listening who's trying to conceive might be a little too stressed to make that happen. I, cause I, you know, I think I know that people could be listening and saying, Oh, I'm not that stressed, you know, but they're juggling so many things. I mean, I'm thinking of one patient in particular who's a full, full-time lawyer and she's really wanting to conceive, you know, very soon. And it's like, I tell her, I was like, you, there's not space for a baby, you know? I mean, you barely have yeah. time for yourself. So, you know, what are, is it maybe has certain symptoms someone has that could be a clue that they're too stressed or, you know, a certain number of hours that they're allotting to work or to other responsibilities or what's, what would be like a way for someone to maybe know this is, this is the, the case for them? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I see that, that often. The, so one, I, I, many of us probably don't want to, um, to believe that we are that type A person and personality, but certainly that, that that person is the one who definitely will have stress drive them. Um, so if you are, if the first thing you think about when you wake up and the last thing you think about when you go to sleep is work and what else you need to do in your to-do list, then I think that to-do list needs to be modified, right? And yeah. we need to reevaluate our lifestyle. Um, and certainly these high professions, right, where the the profession has always, or the goal has always been to advance in our profession and have that be the driving force, I think then we might need to reevaluate. Because just like you said, there's potentially not enough space in our life to allow for that child, to allow for that baby and that family to grow, because number one priority is it's not yourself, it's not your spouse, it's your work. So I think that those are some key things to look at. Um, If you're not sleeping enough or your sleep is not restful enough, I think it's important to evaluate where um, where you are in your life and what the stress points are and what the priorities are. Um, additionally, I find that, um, and it is something within Chinese medicine and, and why they do wake up at this time, but I find that most patients who are stressful are waking up somewhere between 3 and 5 a.m. So if you're waking up between 3 and 5 a.m. and all of a sudden you've got tons of thoughts in your mind, then I would say that that's also a time to reevaluate what's going on, um, assess what your stress is. We're all, as I'm sure you've seen, right, we're we're all used to different levels of stress in our lives, and we Mm -hmm. take that to be commonplace, and it's so commonplace that we don't think we're stressed, right? No, no, I work on that. I I like the buzz. I work off this, (laughs) this, uh, you know, the, the stress, the the buzz, the adrenaline, adrenaline that keeps yeah. me going, right? That keeps me going, keeps me waking up in the morning. And, and I like the way I feel. And 
yeah, I mean, I'm sure you like the way you feel about it, but if that's what you're thinking and, and that's how you're processing your, your stress per se, per se, then I think we need to take a step back and reevaluate what our priorities are and how to manage our stress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm this is so true for me. I, I went on a trip recently, I went to Australia and I carved out the longest amount of time I've ever gone on a trip. I, I did I will say I did work while I was on the road, so I did appointments over the phone, but I was traveling for a good four or five weeks. And I've never done that before and I promise you I feel so different now after coming back. Like I feel like I can be more present with people. I'm I don't feel stressed at the end of the day. I feel like I charge my batteries up and I'm ready to go, you know? I don't feel like I want to run and hide in a cave when I open up my inbox. And for right. me, I I hadn't really taken that type of rest ever and I have, you know, 11 years of college or medical school and then being straight into practice, practicing for like five years. So it was just never ending. So I needed that amount of time. Um, and I, I really feel a lot different. So it's just, it was an eye opener for me to realize how this needs to be a regular thing for me. Um, and hopefully not wearing myself down to the ground so much that I need to take five weeks off, <laughs> but having it just <laughs> built in, you know, right. Just every single week having it built in. Um, so really yeah, important. I heard, I, I heard you. Yeah. Uh, I heard you took that nice trip. By the way, that that sounded yeah. great. It's oh. one of my favorite places over there. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was but you recharge, right? You accomplish more when you get back. You can do more because you can focus. You've got more energy, more clarity, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Just yeah. So we forget my that. Staff, especially. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we forget that we um, that we that sometimes if we create that space for ourselves to take that break, that we can actually do more and be more productive. Um, and that's mm-hmm. often overlooked. I think. Right. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, I, I love all of this. I think it's just super helpful information. I, I'd love to dive into just a few other, you know, maybe clues that patients may be experiencing and what could be going on with that. And one thing I hear quite a bit from patients first coming in is that they get spotting maybe between their periods. So what mm-hmm. what could be going on with that? Could that be a clue that maybe, you know, their fertility power may not be up to what could be optimal? And, you know, what what's going on with spotting? Yeah, I never want to see spotting unless it's at the end of a bleed, just like as a woman's tapering off the menstruation. Um, mm-hmm. You know, certainly we don't want to see spot. I guess the only other time that it might be okay is around ovulation. So sometimes there is a little bit of spotting around ovulation. But so some I of that could be to, normal, like a tiny bit during ovulation could be okay. Yeah, it could be okay. And, you know, I think some women out there may have heard that there's this uh, implantation spotting that might happen as well about seven days post-ovulation that they might mm-hmm. get a little spot of blood. I prefer actually not to see that, but mm-hmm. it depends on the quality and when it comes and how long it stays actually, right? If it's just like one instant um, and it's very fleeting, then it won't bother me too much. But um, if it if it comes seven days post and then lingers and keeps coming until menstruation comes, then that's definitely not what we want to see. So um, a couple things that that might mean is, you know, spotting pre-menstruation um, can be a sign of endometriosis, although we'd be looking for a lot of other things as well with that, um, like painful, real painful menstruation. Um, you know, you, you really would need to look and do a laparoscopy, unfortunately, to truly diagnose it, but that could be a sign of that. And then um, potentially progesterone deficiency, 
right, a luteal phase defect that might be uh, causing for an abnormality in the second half of the cycle um, and causing for the progesterone levels not to be high enough, um, which can cause some spotting um, pre-menstruation as well. Yeah, those are some of the key ones that I see. Of your patients that come in for, I mean, most of them are probably dealing with fertility things. How many or what percentage of those patients do you see as having, you know, luteal phase defect or low progesterone? Mm, I'd probably say about 15%. Yeah, 15%? about 15%. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, it's I fairly, like it's really commonly, it more? but that might be my, yeah, I mean, I feel like most women, I mean, at least that I'm seeing like mid, you know, but then again, I'm seeing them probably mid, you know, 30s and up is what I see. But I, I find that women in their 30s, that starts to really drop and definitely in their 40s for sure. Um, and I, I think a lot of menstrual problems come from that. But that might be what I'm seeing. But you're probably seeing patients a bit younger too, right? Uh, my I work with patients up until about my, my average is about 25 to 45. Mm-hmm. Okay. So right. we see some of the same age range, but we might just be see, seeing different population of women. Um mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I see it. I just don't see it as frequently um, as I see other conditions. Yeah. yeah. I want to take it to a question from the social media world. So this is from Gina, okay. and she says, "I have a friend in Encinitas who's been trying to conceive for two years. So she and her and her partner, they've done fertility treatments. Her body seems to be rejecting it. She also has Crohn's mm-hmm. disease." Um, what wisdom would Mark instill in young couples, early 30s, trying to conceive who have gone the conventional route already? Well, I mean, I, I would bring it back to this specific couple, and she has Crohn's disease. I think that would be something that absolutely need, needs to get addressed and under control. Um, mm-hmm. That inflammatory process, that immune process really needs to be addressed, Um before I think she would be healthy enough to allow for pregnancy to occur. Um, mm. I think it's probably contributing to an inability for implantation to, to really happen there. Um, so that speaking specifically to, to this couple, um, that's what I'd be looking at uh, with, yeah. uh, with them. Um, you know, to, to younger couples who have been through the conventional route, you know, they're often told that this is the only path they have available to them, and if this doesn't work, then they should just go towards donor or adoption. And unfortunately, I just, you know, I I don't agree with that at all. Just because that doesn't work doesn't mean it's, they can't get pregnant. I I can't tell you, I've got hundreds of patients who've been told those exact same things and have been able to conceive on their own when they were told that it was never going to happen. And I think the biggest thing that comes back to this, which is kind of where I started when we talked about this couple here with the Crohn's disease is really addressing the real issue that's going on. We've got to find out what's really going on and address that versus addressing the word of fertility, right? Because it might not be a a true fertility issue. It might be that health-wise, the body's just not where it needs to be, so it's not going to prioritize reproduction, right? It's going to prioritize surviving. So someone with Crohn's disease is going to prioritize surviving and their health versus reproducing. And so if we can work on the foundational things, the true reason why they're not as healthy as they should be, that's preventing conception from happening, then I think that's where you start to make real profound change. 
Yeah, for sure. And and as I mentioned earlier, with with hypothyroidism, most of the time that's an autoimmune condition, and and we know that there's a potential autoimmune condition with with uh, with infertility. So yeah. what I would say for this couple, you know, I would look, I would go, like you said, I would go down that road, see what's at the underlying, you know, what's at the root of this this Crohn's process in the body, and then I would actually recommend to, to do the full antibody testing. You know, I know Cyrex Labs, they have their multi-tissue antibody screen, and you can actually check to see, does your body make antibodies to your own ovaries? That would be interesting in this case to see. Yeah, it's that, a great test. I love Cyrex. Yeah, definitely. They're way ahead of their time. So um, <laughs> We're fortunate to be able to use them. I know. We so are. Yeah. Um, are there any, like, other fun, interesting things, anything you're excited about, anything you want to, I mean, I'm just kind of going off the cuff things that come up, but if there's anything that you want to talk about that you think is a big piece in this discussion, I'd be open to that. Yeah, you know, I think one of the things that's often missed is that, um, especially with the with the wide use and prevalence of the internet, is that everyone is going to be their own, they feel like they can be their own coach, right? Yeah. Their own guidance. So I actually see two things. I would say that either they have too many coaches, right? Too many cooks in the kitchen and everyone's kind of to some degree can step on each other's toes and not that one necessarily is right or wrong, but I think it's important that if they've, if they're trying to work with or, or follow several people that they try to stick with one real person to guide them through the process. Yeah. Um, so there's just minimized confusion. And then, two, I find that it, kind of on that same note is that oftentimes they have no guides because they're just using whatever they find online, and that sounds good. Oh, I read a little bit about this, and I'm going to start doing this. And it's not really spe- sp- specific to their needs. Um, mm-hmm. And I find those, those two things are just so prevalent in the fertility world for, for so many reasons that I, I think we, we all need a coach, we all need a guide, and oftentimes we don't want to admit to ourselves that we need that because it, we might feel like we're letting ourselves down. Um, but in everything we, did, we do, we usually have a guide. We just sometimes refer to them as teachers, right, or mentors or whatever word you want to use. But we need someone to really coach us and create a plan for, for us in terms of what we need for us individually. And I think that's a really key piece that, that often gets overlooked or missed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And have someone help to kind of sit through all the information. And also so you're not so scared. You know, I had a patient yeah. recently who who found out she was pregnant. She came in for her IV treatment. And, uh, you know, she said, oh, oh, I'm pregnant. And I said, oh, great. Oh, my God, that's great. How do you feel? And she goes, I'm really scared. I was like, okay, well, there's actually more, way more of a likelihood that this is going to, you know, f- go into a full-term pregnancy and it'll be, everything's going to be great than there is a chance that it's going to go wrong. You know, there's more of a likelihood that it's going to result in a healthy, healthy delivery than, than it being a miscarriage. And I think that's important for people to realize that they're, they're really the body knows what it's doing. And, yes, there's always, you know, the chance that it doesn't happen the way that you plan. But, but really just having that, that peace of mind that your body knows what it's doing and this has been happening for thousands of years, you know, so. Absolutely, um, yeah. Yeah. But when they've been trying for so long, that fear is, is, is um, you know, I expect it to come because they're they just. For sure. They're scared of what may or may not happen and they don't know what's supposed to happen. So, yeah, that, I mean, it's really prevalent. But mm-hmm. it, just like you said, if you listen to your body and you give it what it needs, then usually it will do what it needs to do. Mhm. Yep. 
give it what it yeah. needs. I think a big part of um, of our success at, at Shine, getting so many patients pregnant, is getting their nu- nutrient levels higher. You know, I do full nutrient testing, and most people are deficient in quite a few things. So the body's just like, nope, I'm not going to have a baby because I need that stuff for me. So you get those levels up, and then it's amazing how things shift into balance. Do you, do you see a lot of yeah. deficiency kind of clues in your, your patients? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And a lot of it comes back to the, the quality of the food that we have available to us. Even if we try to eat well, you know, the food's not the same as it used to be, so we're not getting all the same nutrients. I had a patient uh, recently who came in and said, I don't, want to take, I don't want to take vitamins or supplements. I don't want to take anything um, because I think my body should be able to do it on its own and I should be able to get it all from, from my food. Right. <laughs> well, that would be phenomenal. <laughs> I would love that too. I just haven't seen that to be true. Right. You know, it's just not the way it is. And when you do the testing that you and I do and we can clearly see it, you know, we've got proof that it's just not happening. You're seeing all these deficiencies in patients that need to be addressed. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. People really need to know this stuff. I wish I could test every human being on the planet of deficiencies, but I don't think I can handle the (laughs) patient load. Uh, (laughs) Mark, our time has flown by. Talk about your online course that you put together and um, any parting words you have for our listeners. Yeah, so I put together uh, an online course called My Fertility School. It's a six-week program, although you can do it at your own pace. Um, And it's really geared towards giving patients the the tools, the foundational information that they need to figure out what's going on, understand their body better, and then, you know, have clear, direct path to make change. Um, and it addresses everything from nutrition <clears throat> to uh, therapies that they can do at home. The mind-body connection is a key piece to that, um, having the right mentality, and then what supplements we can do. And then when, when you... Um, when we spoke about the whole fertility world, because I know that there are uh, individuals who's, who absolutely do feel like they need to go through, whether it's an insemination or IVF, whether I want them to or not, um, there's a whole bonus week devoted towards helping patients improve that, make that better, um, and hopefully more successful um, when they go through it so they don't have to do it as many times. Um, so that's really what my, my program is about. It's about empowering patients and couples to make change and uh, put the control back into their life and their fertility process. Amazing, amazing. So if you guys are listening, we're going to put a link of that um, in the notes for the show so you guys can check that out. And uh, thanks for doing all that work, Mark. I mean, it's probably a lot compiling it all together, but you get to reach a lot more people than what you can in your practice. So I I really admire that. I think that's amazing. So thanks for all the work that you do. And I just want to acknowledge you for being such a huge, you know, um, just a huge contributor to just this whole wealth of information that people need to be empowered in this area. So thanks for doing all of that. (laughs) I I appreciate it. I I appreciate you uh, interviewing me to spread the word and, and let everybody know about, you know, different ways that they can improve their fertility. I, I, I love the fact that you're going to be spending some, some time uh, in the coming weeks on this subject as well. So um, I'll mm-hmm. be tuning in to, to hear what else is out there as well. Awesome. All right, you. Well, enjoy San Diego, my neighbor, and hopefully we can catch up sometime in person soon. And enjoy the rest of your night. Thank you so much. Cool. I uh, Thanks, look Mark. forward to, to seeing you soon. For sure. All right, y'all, that is our show tonight. You guys can check out the program 
uh, fertilityschoolonline.com. That's going to be all about how to supercharge your fertility in six weeks. And I think this is really great for people who don't even really want to supercharge your fertility. Maybe, you know, maybe you decide you don't want kids, but you want to be healthier because I really believe that a healthy body is a fertile body. And also, too, for you guys who are medical students or doctors, it's a great way to educate yourself on how to, you know, further educate your patients. So awesome, awesome stuff. Fertilityschoolonline.com. And have a wonderful rest of your week, you guys. I love you guys so, so much. Thank you for all the continued love and support on iTunes. It means the world to me. So, And if you haven't written a review, I'd love to see your experience with the show. And uh, check you guys next week. Have a great rest of your week. Take care, you guys. Love you. Bye. North Pole Hotline, Mrs. Claus here. My holiday shopping list is so big, I can't wait for Black Friday. Get to Old Navy's biggest sale of the year starting tomorrow. Old Navy? Beat the crowds for 50% off your entire purchase. 50% off? Plus, this Friday only, Old Navy's famous cozy socks are just a buck in stores. Old Navy's giving $1 for every pair sold up to a million dollars to boys and girls clubs. So I can do good, look good, and get 50% off your entire purchase at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1121 to 1123. Exclusions apply. See store for details. Cozy socks valid 1123 in stores only. Limit 10. North Pole Hotline, Mrs. Claus here. My holiday shopping list is so big, I can't wait for Black Friday. Get to Old Navy's biggest sale of the year starting tomorrow. Old Navy? Beat the crowds for 50% off your entire purchase. 50% off? Plus, this Friday only, Old Navy's famous cozy socks are just a buck in stores. Old Navy's giving $1 for every pair sold up to a million dollars to boys and girls clubs. So I can do good, look good, and get 50% off your entire purchase at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1121 to 1123. Exclusions apply. See store for details. Cozy socks valid 1123 in stores only. Limit 10.